Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And if you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or online at NorthCityChurchMPLS.com. Enjoy the message. Here we are, guys. What do you think of the new digs? We're so grateful with Brookdale. They've been a partner of ours from the beginning, and it's such a beautiful space, and it feels like it's just the right thing for right now uh, to be able to come into this sacred space, just take a deep breath from all that we're holding in our lives. Uh, So we hope that that can be, uh, that this can be that for you uh, tonight. My name is Pastor J.D. If we haven't met, I'd love to meet you in a socially distanced way and see most of your face. Um, and uh, say hello. So find me afterwards uh, and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to dive into a little scripture uh, this evening. i got to catch myself every time still. It's been like two months, JD. Come on, get with it. Um, But let me pray and welcome God into this time as we approach uh, scripture together. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how remarkable to be together. God, uh, just the practice of gathering, those who are watching online, uh, those who are here in person, God, just to be together is quite a thing this year. God, I pray that uh, your presence would be most defining in this gathering. This one and every future one that we have here in this space, God, we're coming here to meet with you, to listen to you, to be guided by you, to submit to your leadership in our lives and trust that our life will be better that way. God, there's so much that we're holding this year. Um, God, would just for the brief moments that we have together tonight, can we give you some of the things we're holding? Um, and would you uh, be so gracious to speak a word of wisdom into our lives, a word of encouragement? We trust you for those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I know it's hard to shout through masks, but shout out something that makes you joyful. What did you hear from other people? Family, friends, bonfire, that's good. That person is a great person, whoever said that. So uh, I'm an introvert, so there's some things that bring me a lot of joy as an introvert, and one of them just happened like a week ago. One of the sad things, many sad things about the pandemic was the closure of movie theaters, but then they opened back up, and they opened back up with extreme social distancing, which is like an introvert's dream because you basically get the theater to yourself. So I got up enough confidence, got my mask on, and went to a theater to watch uh, Tenant, this new movie by Christopher Nolan, who's my favorite director. And I went in, I had the place to myself. And I was just like, you know, real talk. I'm like, okay, there are some, some benefits to... Uh, people not being able to fill rooms all the way, especially for us introverts. So that gave me so much joy for some reason to have that room to myself. But there's, there's only been glimmers and glimpses of joy, hasn't there, in the last few months that we've experienced. 
I wouldn't characterize it as joyful, at least for myself. Maybe you wouldn't characterize it. There's certainly some parts that are joyful in my life, but not all parts. There are many trials that we find ourselves in, many disappointments that we've had to hold this year, uh, disappointment of being disconnected with each other, a real loss that we've experienced in our lives, many of us in this community, a real loss not only of a friendship but of friends. And uh, some of us have struggled through sickness, even the sickness that we're all facing or uh, that's dominating our culture. So this has been a hard year, and I think that needs to be named. And tonight I want to talk about, we're in this series called The Difference That Jesus Makes. And we've been traveling through the New Testament, and now we're sort of in, uh, in tw- we're going towards the end, so we're going to do Revelation at Christmas time, which is the trendy thing to do now, apparently. Uh, but today, we're in James, um, and I'm so excited that we've landed here because there is some wisdom for us to glean about the difference that Jesus makes in our lives in years like this one, where they're so full of trials. So... Maybe this morning, is, or there it was, this evening as a practice. Guys, it's been like 10 years, so I've got 10 years I'm working on changing my. This evening, maybe there's something you can hold, one trial that you're carrying with you through those doors that you can let Jesus hold on to for you while we talk about how to navigate all the different sorts of trials that this year has brought up for us. So in order to do that, we're going to, like I said, look at the book of James, and we're going to look at chapter 1. If you want to turn there in your phone, it'll be on the screen in a little bit. Before we actually read the text, let me tell you what in the world is going on with James. First fun fact. Are you ready for this? Fun uh, seminary fact. So uh, James actually didn't write James. The man's name was Jacob, Jacoba. Many scholars think the name James just came in in the 16th century, but it's a misunderstanding of the Greek name Jacoba. So if you ever want to be super impressive at a dinner party, which is probably not dinner party jokes to make about Bible stuff, but see how it lands. You'll be like, you know, the book of James isn't really written by James. It's written by Jacoba or Jacob. But the interesting thing about Jacob is that he has the craziest story. He is Jesus' half-brother. So what a unique experience as a human being to be bros with the Son of God. <laughs> and not only that, this guy rises as kind of a natural leader of, this, of the church in Jerusalem for centuries, really, or not centuries, for years after uh, Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. So here, as we read the book of James, we see a guy who is steeped in the Old Testament, particularly the book of Proverbs. It shows up everywhere and the teachings of his brother. He's like, hey, if I fought with the guy when I'm a toddler, I can at least quote him every once in a while. But we see that his book is like this beautiful mashup between the book of Proverbs and wisdom that's in that and Jesus' own teaching, particularly the Sermon on the Mount that we find in most Gospels. So it's a really unique perspective that he brings. And this book that he brings to us is really a letter that he's writing to all the churches who are dispersed. So Paul has been on these missionary journeys, and here's a leader from Jerusalem writing to to encourage all of these churches all over in Rome and all different parts, some of them heavy uh, Gentile believers, heavy Jewish believers. So these really eclectic group of house churches, you will, or we would call them North City Communities. 
He's writing to them to encourage them. And one scholar I read said, uh, Jacoba or James crafts a magnum opus, if you will. So this is like the high point of the wisdom that he's been giving to the church for a long time. And he calls it an eloquent punch in the gut. And what he means by that is that James is, holds no punches, that he's serious about the wisdom that we need to navigate life that's really hard. And he's, he's serious about that because he himself has lost a brother, for one, he himself, after that, has been through so many trials. I mean, like, I think we would hold 2020 up to his and be like, okay, <laughs> you got me on his. Just after writing this book, he's murdered for his faith. He navigates the church through a, a plague, through famine, through intense persecution. So he's got a couple notches in his belt, and it's worth listening. It's worth taking the, the gut punch on some of this hard language to receive and sitting with it for a while because in it is such wisdom for the trials that we face in our day. So let's read it. I'm gonna start in chapter, or, uh, chapter one, verse two. And as we read this text, uh, I want you to bring to mind, those of you who are part of North City Communities, we have these dwelling in the word questions. As we come back in these spaces, I wanna keep those questions. Not that we'll explicitly ask them every week, but I think they're good to hold. And those are, what stands out to you? Uh, what questions do you have that come up in this text? And what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through the scripture in this particular time? So hold that in your imagination as you read what Jacoba had to say to these churches way back in the day. He says in verse 2, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I told you, kind of hard to receive. You might be like, What? Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the waves in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable. James is calling people who are following Jesus to a sincere faith. How about that first phrase? That was something that stuck out to me right off the bat, particularly the year that we've had. How in the world... Do we consider it joy when we face trials? I'm usually like, ugh, <laughs> you know, it's joy is not typically my first response. Anyone out there to when trials appear? Um, how in the world do we find this sort of joy that James is talking about? I think at this juncture, it's really important to distinguish uh, what James is saying. The, the, the scripture doesn't read, consider it pure happiness, whenever you face trials. See, there's a distinction. I think joy in our culture has been muddled a little bit with the term happiness. And happiness is certainly something that we can experience, but I don't know about you, I wouldn't characterize my trials as full of happiness, and I don't consider myself happy when I'm facing them. So what's the distinction? I think I experienced the distinction or had one example of the distinction between happiness and joy when I saw Christian Ann uh, give birth to our two boys. 
Because let me tell you, she may tell something different, but I didn't see a lot of happiness going on in that delivery room. But I tell you what I did see. I saw tons of joy, both on my face, on Christian Ann's face, when our sons came into the world, and even in the midst of it. She has this phrase that she uses called purposeful pain. And when you can see trials in your life and start to discover joy in the midst of them, it looks a little bit more like that, less like the surfacey happiness that we know today. So that's what we're shooting for, that sort of joy. That's what James is saying we can experience. That's what he's saying the difference that Jesus makes in the midst of our trial, that we can experience that same sort of joy. But how do we get there? How do we experience that? How do we experience that difference that Jesus makes in our life? The next thing he says is persevere in faith. So that, and it doesn't say it in the translation that we uh, read, but your life can be brought to perfection is kind of how it says in the Greek. And when we hear that right away, we're like, excuse me, perfection? (laughs) No thank you. Especially in the midst of trial, you're like, I ain't hitting perfection anytime soon here. You know, I've got a temper every single day. And again, there's some clarification needed because this word of perfection that he uses, he uses over five times in the book of James. And he does so because it's a theme for him. And he's using it in the, in, in the uh, biblical sense of perfection, which is more like our word wholeness. In the Old Testament, they use the word shalom, this idea that God brings all things together into integration instead of disintegration. Instead of living in a fractured sort of state, we live in a harmonious sort of state with God and others. So perfection is not like all the books on the row are perfect. It means that we have integrated lives, that we can take the challenges that come to us, and they don't knock us so far off of our kilter that we don't know who we are anymore. The wholeness, the perfection that James thinks Jesus can make in our lives comes through faith and perseverance. And they're like two steps in the same discipleship walk. Stepping in faith that God will act in the midst of our trials, that the outcome of the trials isn't just up to us, but God's in it with us. And that gives us the perseverance to go through it. And you're saying, well, J.D., you're standing up here and saying, just have faith and just persevere through it. Is there anything else that we can do to practice the difference Jesus makes and experience joy in the midst of our trials? And the answer is yes. The next thing that James says is that he says, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it. And it's really interesting what he says. He says, God will give it generously, not finding fault in anyone. And then he goes on and he clarifies and he says, make sure you ask in complete faith, trusting completely in God to answer your ask for wisdom. And again, it's worth pausing here and examining that word wisdom because it's so rich. And I think it brings understanding to what he actually hopes for us to have in the midst of our trials. He's uh, drawing on both an Old Testament and a gospel theme in wisdom. Like I said earlier, he is steeped in the book of Proverbs, which is the first book we see of the book of wisdom. There's three of them that scholars call the book of wisdom. And in in Proverbs, it's really interesting. uh, Wisdom is personified in a female character in Proverbs. 
And wisdom is an attribute, a key attribute of who God is. The Hebrew people thought that's one of the primary things, the primary attributes of God is wisdom itself. And this went far beyond knowledge, far beyond knowing the right answers to the test or the quiz, but this is how to live the good life. And from a long time ago, ancients thought the source of wisdom comes from God. And this, uh, this word is yokama. Guys, let's say it for fun. Say yokama. That's the Hebrew word. And it's this beautiful image of an artisan, an artist, being uh, fully developed in their craft. Someone who knows their craft so well that they can create beauty in the world. And that's attributed to God's character. And it's really clear that we don't gain full access to wisdom in life without access to God. I, uh, this fall, picked up a new hobby. I don't know if it's a pandemic hobby. Now, please don't be alarmed. There's, this is a weapon, but no one will be shot in this demonstration. So this is a bow. If you don't know uh, me, uh, I grew up in the woods. Not literally in the woods, but in northern Wisconsin in southern Minnesota. And I grew up around hunting and the tradition of hunting. And this year, I'm going to blame Jordan Hurst, uh, got me back into archery. archery. And so I picked up this bow to get back into archery. I didn't, haven't done it since high school. And, um, you know, I'm not the most humble guy all the time, full admission. And so I just grabbed this thing after I bought it off Craigslist, pointed at the target, and I'm like, I'm going to be good at this. I'm for sure going to hit the target and probably right in the middle. And I let an arrow fly, and I have one less arrow in my quiver now because it didn't hit the target. If you know anything about archery, there's a lot of calibration that goes in, uh, into shooting this bow. And so I struggled for hours trying to calibrate it myself, trying to figure out how uh, to calibrate things. And I went to the eternal source of wisdom for our age, which is YouTube. And I watched endless amounts of YouTube videos. It's seriously where our culture gains, tries to gain wisdom. And so I did as well. And I went through YouTube videos and tried little technique, little th thing after that. And it, I, I hit the target, but it wasn't quite in sync. With the, it didn't feel like the bow was operating the way it was supposed to. And then I found the YouTube video from the maker itself, from the maker that made the bow. I watched the YouTube video, and they were like, do this, do this. Make sure you bring it into a bow shop so someone can actually attune it to who you are as a person. Guys, when I did that, I hit the bullseye at least once, multiple <laughs> shots. That, so there is a little user error. But here's what I want you to understand about wisdom. You're a bow like this, and your maker is God. And you can go look in all the places in the midst of our trial for wisdom, but the best place to access the wisdom that James is talking about, that God gives so generously, is from the maker of who you are and the universe. That's the distinction with the wisdom that he's talking about. That's the difference that Jesus himself makes. I said that his idea of wisdom was a mix of the Old Testament and the New. That's because if you remember, if you've ever read the book of John, it starts with this beautiful poem about the word becoming flesh. That is the Greek notion, logos, of the same sort of concept of wisdom that exists in the Old Testament. And the statement there is that Jesus himself is that wisdom of God enfleshed. So the difference 
that Jesus can make in our trials that brings us joy is he can be the wisdom. He can be the guide that walks through us who made things for you this morning. If Jesus is all the difference, if Jesus is the source of our wisdom, first of all, when's the last time you asked Jesus for wisdom? When's the last time you asked him and trusted generously that he would give it to you? Second question for you, where's the context where you regularly bring your trials to God and ask God for wisdom in full faith that you're gonna get the answers for that, in full faith that you're gonna get the direction and guidance you need to solve or to step into to integrate the trials that you're facing? What space is that? Earlier, uh, Adobe mentioned this name, or this word, Selah. And as we sat in the back of this auditorium as a staff, and as I came in here earlier and prayed over this space and said, God, what are you doing by bringing North City to this space? That was the word that came to me. This word is a beautiful word that looks like a throwaway word. Uh, Some scholars think it's just a word for solo, like guitar solo in the Old Testament that people would play. But I think David intended for people to have a sacred pause between verses. And if you look at the verses that David wrote, uh, the verse right before Selah is just full of trial. It's full of my enemies are at my doorstep. They're about to come kill me. I'm experiencing extreme anxiety. There's a Selah. And then it's God is my refuge. God is my guide. God is my deliverer. God is my wisdom. What I want you to understand is that Selah, those spaces of sacred pause of listening, that's a mashup of two words of examine and elevate. In that space of listening, we hear from God what we need to understand about our lives and elevate the things that matter most, that make the most difference. Elevate Jesus in our lives. So the simple application is, where are those spaces of Selah for you? And I encourage you, we're working hard to create this space to be a space for that, but find it in your life. Find that sacred pause where you can ask God to generously give you the wisdom you need for the trials you are most certainly facing in 2020. Let's pray. I'm gonna invite Adobe up. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do ask you, God, to give us generously, give us wisdom generously, We need it. Man, I don't know how many times this year I've said, I don't know what to do. I'm sure others can resonate with that, God. It's in that moment that you invite us to lean on you, the maker of who we are, the one who's sovereign in the universe, who's with us in the struggle, the one who's brought us out of Egypt, as we sang earlier today. God, would you be our wisdom? Jesus, would you make the difference in the midst of all the trials that we're facing? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at bennoblemusic.com. Let me send you into your day with this blessing. 
May God give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that God is doing in the world around you. And may He give you the courage to respond. Amen.